You are listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, good morning. Before we start this morning, can I just give a word of how thankful I am for the youth ministry of this church? I'm so thankful that God has called Jesse to this position Carter, Eric, we have a youth ministry that is really second to none, and I'm very thankful for them. Parents, Proverbs chapter 22 says, listen, it's your responsibility to raise up a child in the way that it should go, so then when he's old, he will not depart from the faith. And I really want to encourage you as your responsibility is get this youth ministry to come alongside of you and what God has called you to do. Make sure your kids are involved in the youth ministry. It really is a group of people that love Jesus and love your young people, so get your kids involved. I want to encourage you to do so. Today we're starting a brand new series together, as you can tell by the commercial that we just did. Recognize God has called us because he's loved us to love one another. Here's the reality, though. Some people are easier to love than others. Have you ever noticed that? And today we want to start this brand new series together, and we've entitled it, Those People. You almost got to say it with an eye roll, Those People. You know the kind of people that suck the life out of you? And maybe for a moment, as you think about this, you should look straight ahead. Don't make any movements because they're sitting right alongside of you. But you recognize, don't you, that as we start this new series, we're going to take a look at some difficult people to love, but we're going to try to ask God, how can we love them in greater ways? Next week, we're going to take a look at this idea of critical people. You know critical people, don't you? The people that are always sort of correcting you, tearing apart what you do. The next week, we're going to take a look at hypocritical people. You know, the people who say one thing and then do another. Do we have any responsibility to correct them? How should we be involved in their lives? The last week, we're going to take a look at needy people. My wife says that I can be kind of needy, so I hope she's listening that week. You know, the people that have sort of extra needs in their life just feel as though it's always all about them. But today I want to deal with this topic of controlling people. Now, in order to talk about this morning, I need you to participate. So raise your hand for a moment if you have a control freak in your life. Do you know anybody? Now listen, if the person next to you pulled down your hand when you tried to raise it up, they might be sitting right alongside of you. But the reality is this, here's what I've found in my own life. They're not malicious people. Now I recognize some of you may have had controlling people and authority that were abusive to you. So I want to exclude that for a moment. But most of those people are not malicious, are they? I mean, the reality is this, they have something broken inside of them. They are needy people. They are people who are insecure, and for that reason, they really want to control everything around them. It makes them more comfortable, and they honestly believe they know what's best for your life. Now, having said that, though, here's what I recognize about controlling people. They are like a bucket with a hole, aren't they? You are constantly trying to feed them, and it never seems to be enough. And they're always saying, listen, if you don't meet my needs, if you don't do what I want you to do, then I'm going to give you the solid treatment. I'm going to treat you in an unkind manner. I'm going to sort of move in a different direction, and I'm not going to extend love to you anymore. And my question today is just simply this. In light of the fact that God loved us, How are you and I to love controlling people 
in our lives. Now today I want to sort of lay a foundation for this topic, and I want to talk about two weapons that controllers use in our life. See if this is true of the ones that you know. First of all, they use threats. Now this can be intentional, or this can be unintentional. But the idea is simply this, you need to pony up, and if you don't, there's going to be a price to pay. You need to do this if you want to garner my favor in your life. People, maybe it's a boyfriend who says to you, hey, listen, you got to do what I want sexually or else I'm going to break up with you. Maybe it's a boss who says to you, you got to do it my way or you're going to be demoted or worse yet, you're going to be fired. Maybe it's a spouse who says, you need to do what I want you to do or I'm going to withhold my love and affection from you. One of the tools that controlling people use in our lives is they use threats. What's the other thing? The other thing they use is guilt. You recognize that, don't you? It often goes something like this, in light of all that I've done in your life. I can't believe you won't do this one simple thing for me. You call yourself a friend, you call yourself a Christian or my favorite, you call yourself a pastor and you won't do this for me? Or maybe you got a relative that says, listen, you never call me. I mean, I could be dead in my house for two weeks and nobody would ever know about it because nobody ever calls me. They will often use guilt and they will often use threats to somehow control us. Now, the question today is this, how do you and I then begin to love controllers? If God has called us to love all people because he's loved even us, then how do you and I move towards those who are controlling, either in an intentional or an unintentional way, how do you and I love them? Well, this morning I'm going to take a look at a portion of Scripture from Matthew chapter 16. It's actually a dialogue between Jesus and one of his disciples by the name of Peter. Peter maybe was doing this unintentionally, but he was trying to control Jesus. He was trying somehow to thwart the very will of God being done in Jesus' life. Jesus would often go around and he'd say, listen, here's what I know about the will of God for me. I'm going to have to suffer, and ultimately I'm going to have to die. But after three days, God is going to raise me again from the dead. And often he would expound upon the will of God for his life. And here in Matthew chapter 16, Peter says to him, Lord, no, that will never happen for you. I want you to know I don't want you to leave. I want my will to be done. I want your friendship. I want you to be close. And here's the reality that will never happen to you. So we pick up that portion of Scripture in Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 22, and it says, Peter took him aside. You ever notice that about controlling people? They'll often take you aside. They pull you away from the crowd because they just want to deal with you in a one-on-one -on -one fashion where nobody else is listening. So Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. But now Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. 
Now Jesus turns away from Peter and he looks at all of the disciples and he says to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now out of that portion of scripture, I want to draw three things that you and I should know about controllers in order to love them. Three things I want to give you. First of all, I would say this. First of all, know what you are called to do. If you want to somehow deal with controllers in your life, first and foremost, you need to know what God's calling is upon your life. You're going to always see it in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus says, I know clearly what God has called me to do. And often he would expound on that. Often he would say, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus would often say, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. Jesus would often say, I didn't come for the righteous, I came for the sinners. I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and what? Ultimately give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew exactly what God had called him to do, and he headed steadfast, resolute, the scripture says, to the very thing that God had called him to. People, if you want to deal with controllers in your life, first and foremost, you need to know what is God's calling on my life? What am I supposed to be doing? Now, often isn't it true when we think about the call of God on our life, we think it's got to be something grandiose. We think, in effect, I got to be a missionary to Africa. I got to come up with a cure for cancer. But I'm often convinced that the will of God for our lives is not necessarily to something. It's who we're to be. Is it possible that God is calling you to, as a husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church, or as a wife, to love your husband as Christ loved the church? Is it possible that the calling of God on your life is to guide and to direct in a godly fashion the young people or grandchildren that are in your life? Is it possible as a student that God is calling you to study hard, to get a degree, to sort of prepare you for the future and is calling upon your life? When I look at my own life, I'm pretty convinced what God's called me to do. God's called me to love Beth as Christ loved the church. God's called me to give guidance and direction not only to my children, but now to my grandchildren as well. And God has called me to be shepherd over this flock, the church of Jesus Christ. Now my question to you this morning, if you want to deal with controllers in your life, what's your calling? What specifically is God calling you to do? Because here's what I've noticed in people's lives. If you don't know what God is calling you to do, other people will tell you, won't they? Ever been a pastor of a large church before? Do you know how many people think they know exactly what I should be doing at any given moment? And the reality is it's the same for you, isn't it? If you don't know exactly what God has called you to do, other people are more than happy to tell you exactly what you are to do with your life. And one of the reasons you and I got to map out very clearly, God, what are you calling me to do is to make sure that we can continue to respond to the very call of God in our life. Because here's what I want you to see, and this is critical. One thing every controlling person has is this. Someone who allows it. Is it possible that you are allowing people in your life, because you don't know the clear call of God in your life, to somehow control you? 
Certainly it's wrong to be a controller, but it's wrong to allow people to control you as well. I need to decide what is God calling me to do? What is your call upon my life? And I want to move in that sort of a direction. Then secondly, I want you to see this. You got to know when somebody is trying to control you especially when they're trying to control you in a way that leads away from God's calling in your life. So you know the story. Eventually, Peter says to Jesus, hey, listen, if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to die for the sin of mankind, I want you to know that'll never happen to you. Now, do I think at that moment in time, Peter didn't love Jesus? No. Do I think that somehow Peter wanted to thwart the plan of God in Jesus's life? No. And I would say the same about the controllers in your life, whether it's your spouse or your mother-in-law or anybody else. I don't think they're evil people. I think they are people who love you. And I think there are people who don't want to mess with the plan and the will of God that he has for your own life. In fact, if you think about it for a moment, Peter in Matthew chapter 16 had just won sort of this Jesus Jeopardy game. Remember Jesus shows up? He'd just been with a rather grueling question and answer series with the scribes and the Pharisees. And now Matthew chapter 16 says they're kind of reclining. They're alone together, just Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus said, listen, I got a question for you. When you're out in the streets, who do people say that I am? And one by one, they began to spout off, well, some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets reincarnated. Some say you're just John the Baptist. And then Peter speaks up. Peter says, no, I know exactly who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And do you remember how Jesus responds to him? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon Peter, son of John. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but your Father who is in heaven. And on this rock, this confession that you just made, I'm going to build the very church of Jesus Christ. Peter, here's the reality. You know exactly who I am. And you know exactly what I'm trying to accomplish. Was it that Peter didn't love Jesus? Was it that Peter wanted to thwart the plan of God in Jesus' life? No. Peter just simply wanted what he wanted. Peter was insecure. Peter was struggling with his own insecurities, and somehow he wanted to tell Jesus what to do. He didn't fully understand the plan of Jesus for his life. So somehow he begins to move And he begins to call and he begins to control out of the insecurities in his own life. So first of all, I would say know what God is calling you to. And then secondly, know when someone is trying to control you. And then thirdly, I would say this, know when to draw a line in the sand. Know when you've got to draw a line in the sand. Listen, this is probably the most difficult thing to do. But at some point in time, knowing your calling, know that people are trying to get you away from your calling, you've got to make a decision. I'm going to have to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to to speak to these people in a loving fashion, but I'm going to have to speak clearly. This is not the will of God for me. You see it in this portion of Scripture, don't you? Jesus turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's a great line, isn't it? Just say that for a moment. It's just kind of fun to say, get behind me, Satan. In fact, the next time your grandma says, here's what I want you to do, say, grandma, don't speak to me that way, and then call her Satan. No, don't do that. (laughs) 
But he says, in effect, hey, listen, what you have in mind is not the concerns of God, but merely the concerns of man. Jesus says to Peter, hey, listen, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the will of God in mind. You have merely human concerns. Now, all of us, to some degree, are people pleasers, aren't we? I struggle with the very same thing. And often, if you want somehow to please people around you, in all honesty, it's idolatry and it gets you a whole lot of trouble. We think it's about us being kind and generous to the people around us. Usually, it's about us feeling better about ourselves. If Jesus had been what I would call somebody that was sort of egotistical, somebody that was concerned about being a people pleaser, maybe he'd say, hey, Peter, wait a minute, don't get mad at me. Peter says, listen, Jesus, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to follow you anymore. I'm not going to be your disciple. I'm going to unfriend you on Instagram. That's what I'm going to do for you. But Jesus doesn't do that. Because Jesus clearly understood this was the will of God for his life. If Jesus struggled with this idea of egotistical self-centeredness, he would say, in effect, as a people pleaser, hey, listen, I was going to die for the sins of mankind, but because you don't like it, Peter, I won't do that anymore. He doesn't do any of that. He begins to confront in a rather loving manner. He says to Peter, Peter, listen, you and I have been close friends for a long time, and I want you to know you don't have in mind the things of God. What you have in mind is merely human thinking. People, if you want to deal with controllers in your life, first of all, you've got to know what God has called you to do. And then secondly, you've got to recognize it when it comes your way. And then thirdly, there comes a point in time you need to draw a line in the sand. Now, this is a guy who had just won Jesus' jeopardy. I recognize he loved him completely. But at the same time, he did not have the mind of God for the plans of Jesus in his life. He had merely human concerns, and he was heading in that sort of a direction. So what do you do when you have controllers in your life? How do you handle them? How do you issue the love of God toward them because you recognize God has loved you, warts and failings and all, and he's commanded you love one another? How do you and I love controlling people in our life? I want to give you two thoughts. The first of them is this. The relationships you have are a combination of what you've created and what you've allowed. The relationships you have, and this is all relationships. I don't care if it's a relationship, a husband to wife. I don't care if it's father to kids. I don't care if it's friendships, I don't care if it's co-workers, whoever it is, the relationships you have are always a combination of what you've created and at the same time what you've allowed. And there comes a point in time when you've got to draw a line in the sand and say, listen, I, I got to do something different. This is not heading in a God-honoring way. I'm getting more and more frustrated with people around me and their expectations of me. And I've got to make a decision. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I've created this. I've allowed this. So the second point I want to give you is just simply this. If you don't like what you have, you've got to change what you expect and what you accept. If you don't like what you have, you have got to change what you accept and what you expect. Those two things. Hey, here's the reality. You've been talking to me in this sort of controlling fashion. I want you to know, no more. 
You can't speak to me that way anymore. I love you with the love of God, but I want you to know you can't talk to me that way anymore. You say to your spouse, listen, I love you and I will never leave you, but I want you to know whenever we get into an argument, you can't bring up divorce. You can't speak to me in that fashion. I want you to know that I love you, but you've got an addiction. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to bail you out of jail again. I'm going to eventually just let you somehow deal with the consequences of your own behavior. I'm not going to let you treat me in that fashion anymore. I love you. In fact, I love you dearly. But things have got to change. This is not going in the right direction. People, you know this as parents. We don't allow that with our two-year-olds, do we? You go to the grocery store and you make your way through the grocery store and eventually you come to the checkout line and you recognize there's all this candy. You don't allow your two-year-old to blackmail you into having candy, do you? If they throw themselves on the floor and they scream and all of that, eventually you just say to yourself, listen, I expect better from you. Now, if they do it for 15 minutes and I'm behind you in line, just say to them, listen, you little terrorist, here's the candy. (laughs) But when we get home, things are going to be different. But here's what we know. We know in a sense that what we expect from other people and what we accept from other people, they'll eventually do. Does that mean it's easy? Is it possible that first they're not going to like it? Is it possible at first they'll give you the silent treatment? Is it possible at first they're going to stomp and kick and fuss in all sorts of ways? It's absolutely possible. But you and I are going to make a decision. Hey, listen, I know what God's call is upon my life, and I feel as though people are trying to control me, so i got to draw a line in the sand. In all honesty, you don't want this ultimately for me, something that would take me away from the will of God in my life, and I know that you love me, and because I love you, I'm going to tell you right now, this kind of behavior, this kind of speech, this kind of direction is not acceptable in my life. Now, here's what I've noticed. It's pretty easy to see controlling in other people, isn't it? It's much more difficult to see it in our own lives. Sometimes when I look in the mirror, I think to myself, it must say controller that's tattooed across my forehead. It is one thing to say God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It is a much different thing to say God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. The reality is you and I struggle with control, don't we? And my wife right now would probably say amen. The staff of this church right now would say amen. At some point in time, you've got to look at yourself and say, am I one who struggles with control? Or is it possible I can recognize that I can surrender, I can yield my will and my way to the ways of God because they're always better? Some of you here today are trying to control your spouse, aren't you? You've done everything you possibly can to get them to behave the way you want them to behave. Let me ask you this. Who do you think can do a better job changing your spouse, you by trying to control them or God, when you and I surrender them to him? Who do you think does a better job, helicopter moms, as school begins this year, sort of fanning out what the future of our children will be like, you by controlling their every movement, or God, as you and I on a daily basis surrender them to him? 
Who does a better job with the alcoholic, with the drug addict? You and I, by trying to control their behavior of God, by trying to surrender them before him. I think we all recognize, as much as we want to control, control doesn't change anyone. The only person in this entire world that has the ability to change the very heart of the humankind is God and God alone. It's one of the reasons that Jesus in this portion of Scripture would go on. And I love the context of this scripture. When I first read it in Matthew chapter 16, you hear Jesus kind of discussing who I am, and then you get him saying to Peter, Hey, listen, get behind me, Satan. I never realized this. But the context of what he says next is fascinating in light of what he has already said. Then Jesus turns away from Peter. After this little discussion, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the things of God in mind. You have the things of man in mind. And now he looks at all of his disciples and said, listen, in light of this little object lesson that I gave you, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, whoever wants to be a disciple of mine needs to stop playing God, needs to stop being this controller in their lives that they need to surrender. They need on a daily basis to take up their cross and they need to follow after me. Baby, you know the original sin of Satan in Isaiah, and again repeated in Revelation chapter 12, was this idea that he wanted to be God? You recognize, don't you, that you make a terrible God, and so do I. You and I cannot control people around us, nor can we allow people to control us. But our whole goal in life is to simply surrender, to take up our cross on a daily basis and follow after Jesus, to say in effect, Jesus, I am not God, you are. And what I want to do this morning and every day after is I want to surrender, I want to yield my life to you. So if you struggle with control or you struggle with people controlling you, know clearly what God has called you to do. What's his calling upon your life? Recognize when it's coming your way and then make a decision. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to draw a line in the sand with other people and I'm going to draw a line in the sand with me and we're all going to surrender. Let me close this with a word of prayer. Father, we're just so grateful that you are the sovereign God. You reign and rule over all of creation. You reign and rule over the affairs of each of us. And Father, can you remind us this morning that you're God and we're not? Could you remind us this morning of your call upon our lives? Could we see when people are trying to control us and could we draw a line in the sand in love? And allow, Father, for your will to be done in our lives. Father, more than anything else, teach us to surrender today, I pray. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Download the Sunnybrook Church app or visit us at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.